Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Poisoning their brainwashed minds Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist Woolless Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome, that's right, welcome to the Anarchist Wool this week on your local community radio station. Now, Michael, do I see any red lights anywhere? Uh, yeah, why? Do we? Oh, we've got little red lights. Yeah, yeah, I'm going blind. It's just in a different position. You, yeah. you've no, I, just thought, I just thought you were going to sneak out of the studio without oh. saying hello, <laughs> hello to all the listeners. So I got you back, didn't Good I? Good morning, everyone. I caught you. Yeah, <laughs> he can go now. He's, he, he does training. All, he's got training. He's got all this work to do. Yes, he actually exists. My own personal ASIO agent, Michael Smith. What a name. You wouldn't believe it, would you? And he works at a community radio station. Well, he volunteers. All right, let's move on. If you wonder what Anarchy is all about, an Anarchy Society is a voluntary, non-hierarchical society based on the creation of political and social structures which are based on equal decision-making power. That's direct democracy. It's a society where wealth is held in common and used for the common good. Yes, we're those old-fashioned rebels and revolutionaries who actually believe in making a better world for the people around us and ourselves, not some religious bigot or some nationalist moron or some maniac monarch. Nah, anarchy is about breaking those boundaries. It's about breaking hierarchy. It's about ensuring that everybody is involved in the decision-making process, ensuring that the wealth, the commonwealth is held in common for the common good. It's about creating a society without rulers, R-U-L-E-R-S, not without rules. Now, if during the course of the program, disaster strikes, tsunami, earthquake, knock on the door, the neighbour wants a cup of tea or a bong, don't despair, don't despair. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name's Joseph Scarum. I'm hosting today's program. If you want further information, you can always go to the website, anarchistmedia.org. We can go to the PIBSI website. That's public interest before corporate interest, pibci.net, pibci.net. There it is, and if you join quickly, join quickly, we need lots of members, quickly you'll get your little membership card 
in the mail before you know it. You can join via the net, you can join by snail mail. If you know me, you can give me your application form. Yes, we're moving along. Public interest before corporate interest. Now, let's start off with the budget. But before we start off with the budget, well, this is a state budget which nobody's really interested in, but we may make a few comments about the Victorian state budget. Let's talk about the fall in interest rates. Now, we, you and I, boys and girls, are going to have a little fairy story. We're going to hear a little fairy story. Remember all those fairy stories they had in the Middle Ages, you know? A chew, a chew, and they all fall down to talk about the um, plague and all those esoteric little fables and things. Well, we're going to tell you a, a 21st century Australian fairy stories with kangaroos, koalas and gum leaves and wattle trees. That's right. This is a 21st century fairy story. Now, it goes something like this. The Federal Reserve Bank, in their wisdom, WISDOM, have reduced interest rates to 2%. That means the cost to borrow money for the banks is 2% and less. Now, obviously, they sell money to you for 3%, 4%, 5%, 21% if you've got a credit card. <laughs> They're still raking in the 21% <laughs> if you've got a credit card. I'm laughing because I just paid off my credit card and I'm a happy boy. 21%, could you imagine it? Well, let's get back to the 2%, right? Now, our dearly beloved treasurer, Mr. Hockey, Mr. Hockey, the world's average treasurer, Now, Mr. Hockey said 2%, historically low interest rates. Go out there, borrow. Go out there and borrow and start a small business and employ people. That's the plan. That's the plan. This is a fairy story. This may may be true, may not be true. Maybe based on fact, it may not be based on fact. So go out there and borrow money and start a small business and will employ people, and before you know it, unemployment will be 0%. We'll all be doing jigs and singing in the morning as we go off to work. Off to work I go. Ho, 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 ho. Yeah, I have been told not to sing, and uh, I understand why. But uh, here we are, small business. But guess what? You know how you make money in Australia today? You make money in Australia today by investing in real estate, by buying and selling property. Whether you live overseas, whether you live here, it's all about pushing up real estate prices. So why would anybody in their right mind go to a bank and borrow money for 6 8 10% to start a small business when in Australia we know that small and micro businesses are dead going to the wall at an increasing rate every day and why are they dead? They're not dead because the people involved in those businesses are incompetent or foolish they're dead because they are competing against corporate Australia And corporate Australia, as you know, 
do not pay income tax. They pay voluntary taxation. And if you're a 24-carat leaner and traitor like Mr Rupert Murdoch, and why do I call him a traitor? Well, in order to extend his empire into the US of A, Mr Murdoch gave up his Australian citizenship. So what is the definition of a traitor? A person who gives up their citizenship? Is a person who gives up their citizenship for 30 pieces of silver a traitor? I'll let you work it out. I think they are. But getting back to the main story, unless you're like Mr Murdoch and you get an $886 million, million, what's a million among friends, $886 million tax refund in 2013 while baking billions of dollars of profits offshore, but that's a different story. So here we have small business. One, you're expected to compete against large corporations like IKEA, which pay 3% tax, or Transurban, which paid $3 million tax on a turnover of $1 billion while paying their CEO $4.9 million. Or like Mr Murdoch, get a tax refund while making billions of dollars of profit you know, for their little companies. Or Foxtel, the other arm of Mr Murdoch's uh, corporation in, in Australia and the rest of the world paid 0.75% tax. I wish if I, I wish I could get those rates. Anyway, getting back to this 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 little fairy story. So here we have, we are told to borrow money to create small business, but it's not a level playing field. It's not a level playing field. It's a little bit like the under fours playing against the seniors in the AFL or the soccer league or the basketball league or the rugby league or the rugby union. That's what it's like out there. In the real world, not the fairy world that Mr Hockey believes in, but in the real world, you borrow money, no level playing field. They don't pay taxes. You don't pay taxes. The tax department knocks on your door. You're a small fish. You're easy to manipulate and push around. But if you're a big fish, it's a different ball game. You can always, like the uh, former head of the National Australia Bank, and uh, BHP Pills and Mr. Mr. Argus, you've got an outstanding tax bill. You could always negotiate a fairer return. That's the way it goes, isn't it, when you're big and powerful? But getting back to our little fairy story, here we are, level playing field. Most of the major fields of endeavour in this country are now dominated by large corporations whose major responsibility is to their major shareholders to create ever-increasing profits irrespective of the human, social and environmental costs. That's what it's about. So if you look at food, 80 to 85% of food distribution and food sales in this country are dominated by two large corporations. You look at healthcare, especially private healthcare. We are seeing the corporatisation of private healthcare. Almost 50% of general practices that you go to are now run by five large corporations. That's right. Your friendly general practitioner is part of a large corporation, a salary earner. And the list goes on and on. Look at the Petroleum industry, the outlet, petroleum outlet, three or four large corporations. Even look at hardware stores. Where is there an independent hardware store? Don't exist. Uh, 
two corporations dominated the hardware industry in this country in the last 20 to 30 years. And the list goes on and on. You name a field of human endeavour, you will see unaccountable corporations dominating that field of human endeavour, paying voluntary taxation, putting downward pressure, you like that word? Downward pressure on their suppliers to provide cheap goods so they can make maximum profit. And people wonder why people are not willing to borrow to go into a small business. Because the smart people, and this is where the fairy story comes in, the smart people borrow money to invest on the uh, stock market. Because if they make a loss, they can actually get a legal, legitimate tax deduction for making a loss on borrowed money, which they invest in the stock market. And the even smarter people artificially drive up property prices by borrowing money and investing in real estate. Because in this country, you get a tax deduction for owning a second home and a third home and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth and a seventh and an eighth and a tenth. And as property prices are artificially elevated, it becomes difficult to rent, almost impossible to rent for people, the 33% of the people people in this country on social security uh, benefits. That's right, social security benefits. And an increasing number of Australians on limited wages, less than a 1000 a week, who are involved in a number of part-time jobs. So that's the fairy story. Isn't it wonderful? You can borrow money, you drop the interest rate, you borrow money to invest in real estate. That's if you've got the capital, obviously. The banks are not going to give scum like you money. All right? You don't have the capital, do you? A little bit of capital, get into the real estate market, make a killing, get out, any losses, capital, any losses you've got, tax deduction. While those struggling to put a deposit on their first home find it almost impossible to enter the home market. Almost impossible. And they can't even access their superannuation contributions to help them get a foot in the property market. That's the fairy story. That's the type of society we've become where those with the greatest needs shunted aside, ignored, forgotten, dispensable, marginalised, while those with the greatest wealth become the new celebrities, the new heroes, the new heroines, the new philanthropists. That's the fairy story. That's the Australia living today. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access it by going to 3cr.org.au. I'd like to make a few comments of the Victorian state budget because it is interesting. It's interesting not because there's been a $3.5 billion boost to uh, public education about time, and a $2.5 billion boost to uh, 
public health about time and a little bit of money into public infrastructure about time. But it's interesting because of the narrow revenue base. You like that word revenue base that state governments have because since the Second World War, it's only the federal government which is actually able to... uh, uh, what's that? Income tax. Um, force you to pay income tax. So it's a very narrow base. And traditionally, traditionally in the 70s and 80s, state governments relied on three revenue streams. And those three revenue streams included Commonwealth grants, which continue, taxes and charges, registration fees, a whole raft of fees, fines, and most importantly of all, real estate sales tax. Sales duty, real estate duty, and payroll tax, obviously, which is of less importance these days. So stamp duty on the sale of properties has become one of the government's biggest revenue earners. So while there's a property boom, there is a little bit of extra money for public education and public health. And we've seen, to the credit of the Andrews-led Labor government in Victoria, they're actually giving some little bit of extra peanuts to these areas. But the dilemma is the great privatisation wave which hasn't stopped the great privatisation tsunami, which continues unabated across the country, privatising electricity in New South Wales and privatising the port, the Port of Melbourne, which is a policy which both major political parties support, privatising the Port of Melbourne in, uh, in Victoria, highlights how a very important revenue stream for state government has dried up. While the state government had a monopoly on electricity production before it was privatised and gas production, that was a revenue stream for the government. That was a revenue stream. The Port of Melbourne continues to be a revenue stream for the Victorian state government as other ports do. But as these public assets are given away, virtually given away for peppercorn rents to the private sector, what actually occurs is that revenue stream is closed down. Whether it's at the federal level or the local level, the revenue stream is closed down. So state governments become almost totally dependent on a booming property market and stamp duty receipts. So it becomes a real issue because there is no diversion of income. There is nothing in the Victorian state government apart from a minuscule tax on overseas buyers of real estate, which will pull in about three to $400 million over the next three to four years, that has actually expanded the revenue stream. That's the dilemma. 
The revenue stream is so narrow in this country at state, local government and federal government level because of the privatisation of public assets and because of taxation laws which allow corporations to pay peppercorn taxes legally in this country that the burden to raise revenue to pay for essential infrastructure, whether it's public education or public health or public infrastructure, is almost totally dependent on pay-as-you-earn taxpayers whose income has not increased over the past decade because of downward pressure on wages. In other words the deunionisation and the fragmentisation of the workforce into people pay, you know, uh, involved in part-time temporary work, not involved in full-time work. So here we have a huge issue in this country. And the issue is about revenue. It's about generating revenue. It's not just about, you know, doing a services budget. It's about widening diversifying the income stream for the population as a whole. So it's become a huge issue, a huge issue in this country because there is no political will. There is no public push. Nothing, nothing at a mass level to actually force governments at the state and federal level to actually diversify their income stream. What is wrong with creating a new people's bank, whether at a state level or a federal level? Because a state-owned and run enterprise in a mixed economy plays three roles. One... It allows people who have a philosophical objection to investing their money in the private sector to actually invest their money in the public institution where if profits are made, those profits are rolled back to benefit the public as a whole. That's the first benefit it has. A more important benefit a state-owned or a national-owned bank has, it actually places pressure on the privately owned banks to actually think twice before they introduce new charges for their products. Think twice about it because that's what it's all about because there is no competition in the financial sector because the financial banking sector, like the media like food distribution, like hardware, like pet shops, like clothing, and the list goes on and on and on, is dominated by corporations of unfair legal and economic advantage. That's the dilemma on a daily basis. You cannot expect a cartel of financial institutions to actually work for the benefit of the people. Because their mission statement 
is different to your mission statement and my mission statement. Their mission statement is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders and their major uh, CEOs and officers within that organisation. That's what it's about. That is what it's about. But is there any debate anywhere about putting public interest before corporate interests? Is there any debate anywhere about creating a new people's bank? Is there any debate anywhere about creating new public institutions, new public services providers which can generate a profit which then then can be used for the good of everybody, not just unaccountable, you know, major shareholders of privately run and privately owned corporations whose major responsibilities, I keep saying, is to their major shareholders who'll do anything like divert billions of dollars of profits offshore in order not to pull their weight. I mean, these people have no responsibility, none whatsoever. I'll give you a classical example. This is a classical example. And every conservative, wealthy Australian should be kicking themselves up the arse for actually not, you know, protesting about what happened. Medibank Private. Medibank Private was created in 1982. 1982 by the federal government to encourage people to join a private health fund. Around 35 to 40% of the fees which are charged by a privately owned medical insurance fund like Medibank Private is actually a taxpayer levy. $5 billion will go from the public resources into the the pockets of private insurance companies to provide private health insurance for the 45% of Australians who have the disposable income to buy private health insurance. But that's not the issue. Medibank Private was privatised by this government, the Abbott-led government, less than six months ago. They made, what, four or five billion dollars out of it? Peanuts. Medibank Private has actually been paying a dividend back into Commonwealth coffers for decades. So what has Medibank Private done since it was privatised? It has actually done everything in its power to maximise its profits for its major shareholders while decreasing the level of cover for its members. That's right. In the latest rounds of uh, price increases for Medibank Private, that insurance company's increase was double the rate of other insurance companies, 10 to 12%. And on top of that, the services which were paid to its members have been grossly diluted. For example, there are people in this country 
who were of Medibank Private, who had top hospital cover. And that meant if they went into a private hospital, their costs would be covered. They paid an insurance premium for that. Without telling anybody, without telling the hospitals in private hospitals involved, without telling the private pathology companies involved, what they did is they are refusing to pay for pathology and x-ray costs beyond a certain level in these private hospitals. So people are now being found who thought they had a contract with this corporation and now are finding, once it's been privatised, that they're out of pocket by $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 for each private hospital admission. And what that means is that more and more of these people will now be going to an overcrowded, underfunded public hospital sector. And all this is in the name of increasing profits for its major shareholders. So within six months of privatisation, we have seen, we have seen the philosophical basis of this insurance company turn 180 degrees from providing services to its member and returning a dividend to the Commonwealth to screwing its members and increasing the dividend to their private shareholders. And that's what happens every time a state or federal-owned asset is privatised. Not only is the competition in that particular field of human endeavour decreased and cartels emerge where three or four major corporations dominate that, f- that field of human endeavour, not only are the services to the member continually being uh, constrained, but more importantly, privatisation actually does not lead to an improvement in services and a decrease in prices. And for the last three decades, every state government of every political hue, every federal government has been marching down the privatisation bandwagon. And we, as citizens, are bearing the cost. It's quite extraordinary. I know I'm, you know, concentrating on the economics today and I'm doing that for a purpose because if you're, it's about joining the dots. We live in a rich country, a very rich country. We have a minimum number of people in comparison to other countries. We're not a hundred and we're not two hundred million people living on a floodplain like in Bangladesh. I mean we have twenty five million people living on a continent. And it's extraordinary and, and it's it's quite extraordinary to think how is it that a country that is so lucky that has marginalised and ostracised the original inhabitants and stole all their resources, how can this country not provide for the basic needs of all its citizens and residents? Why is it that homelessness is an issue? Why is it that poverty is an issue? Why is it 
that access to basic medical care is an issue? Why is it that access to basic schooling is an issue? Why is it that everything is user pay? And you can have a wonderful life in the land of Oz if you've got the disposable income by owning three, four, five or six extra homes, you know, or getting a CEO's salary or enjoying the largesse of a uh, taxation system which is designed to screw pay-as-you-earn taxpayers and reward the corporate Australia. Why have we come to this situation? Why do we find ourselves in 2015, in May 2015, in this totally untenable situation? That's the question we should be asking ourselves, not what if. And it's very simple. Because over the last three to four decades, most Australians have believed the propaganda. And in 2015, most Australians continue to believe the propaganda that if the corporate sector creates jobs, it'll be okay, irrespective of whether they pay taxes or not. You know, and most Australians continue to believe that the 33% of Australians who rely on social security benefits are somehow bludgers. Constantly, constantly, there is this barrage of 24-hour, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year of propaganda, you know, masquerading as comment, comments and news on the airwaves, on the net, in newspapers, you name it, new media, old media, social media, personal conversations, barbecue stoppers, you name it. Constantly. This change in cultural attitude. There has been a change in culture. You know, we have a significant portion of Australians, about 20%. I don't believe in the 1%, 99% equation. That's a lot of crap. I mean, there is 1% that are super rich, but there is 20% that are doing very well out of all these little tax loopholes and little lurks and perks which you can enjoy in this country to maximise your wealth without providing a return to the community as a whole. Tons of little lurks and perks. One million Australians own more than one home. Five million don't own anything. The list goes on and on. The bottom 40% own 1% of the nation's resources. The top 5% own over 70% of the nation's resources. And the rest, you know, everybody else, you know, fights for. And the list goes on and on and on. So, joining the dots is important. If your granny can't get that hip operation that she needs because... There's no beds in a public hospital. She's on a waiting list to see an orthopaedic surgeon, then goes on a waiting list for surgery, and it's put in Category 3, which means non-urgent, although she's in chronic pain. Your granny's situation is directly linked to the fact 
that corporate Australia pays voluntary taxation. It's directly linked to the fact that we have a political system where the major political parties are directly dependent on major corporations for their political success and political survival. Your granny's situation is directly linked to a constitutional logjam which only allows Parliament the ability to call referendums in this country. And the list goes on and on and on. It's about linking the dots. Because in this country, over the last three and a half decades, things have been turned around on their head. Black is white. Good is bad. Short is tall. We have this huge rhetoric reality gap. We are told we live in a free society. There have been more laws and regulations passed in this country in the last 30 years to strip away rights that you have had since Federation. We are told that we live in an egalitarian community. During the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation orgy, the rich and powerful have been involved in over the last three and a half decades, we have seen the gap between those that are exploited and those that are doing the exploiting increase. I don't use words like disadvantage on this program or welfare. It's about exploitation. E-X-P-L-O-I-T-A-T-I-O-N. On every available statistical indicator, the gap between rich and poor, between rich and the rapidly disappearing middle classes who are burdened with debt is increasing. At no time in Australian history has the gap between the amount of money which goes into profits for shareholders in relation to the amount of money which is created by people who actually work goes into the pockets of Workers, the gap has increased exponentially over the last three decades. And we now have the situation where groups like the Mantra Group, which is Australia's, you know, one of the second biggest hotel chain, because I said it's all about corporations, is fighting tooth and nail to ensure that during the the course of this Abbott-led government that overtime payments for its workers disappear. Disappear. So at the same time, we have seen this gap increase exponentially over the last three decades and we've seen profits increase for a shrinking number of people in this country and overseas. At the same time this has been occurring, there has been a war going on, a war going on against working people and people who are not working, who are on Social Security benefits, a war been going on. On the one hand, which has been, to a large degree, been waged by the Murdoch media in this country, which, which 
is about, this war is about criminalising legitimate, concerning legitimate political activity in this country. That's what it's about. It's about making criminals of people like you and me who are concerned about what's happening, who are willing to take peaceful, direct action protests, you know, to be involved in protest and and workplace activity in order to change that equation about profits, where profits go, who are there who want to change the equation about ensuring that those that are most exploited benefit from the system of government we currently have. That's what it's been about. It's been about that for the last three decades. Trade unions have been so demonised that less than 20% of people are now in a trade union in this country. Less than 10% in the private sector belong to a trade union. Because if you're a trade unionist, you may find you don't get your job back. You may find your short-term contract isn't renewed. And the list goes on and on. So we have this constant campaign to denigrate the very organisations and the very activities which led to Australia at the beginning of the 21st, uh, 20th century being one of the nations with the smallest gap between profits going to owners and profits going to those workers in those institutions. We've seen the social security net that was created to ensure that all Australians, all Australians, irrespective of social standing and income, had access to the basic necessities of life being constantly diluted by a government gelded ABC and a government gelded SBS and a corporate-owned media whose major role seems to be to denigrate and abuse the very people who are at the cutting edge of social, cultural, political and economic change in this country, who have continued to fight back over the last three and a half decades, irrespective, irrespective of what's happening, irrespective of the political consequences, irrespective of the social consequences, irrespective of the personal consequences. Just extraordinary. Join the dots. If you don't join the dots, nothing will happen. And that's why, a few weeks ago, we launched public interests before corporate interests. It's time there was a political group which used both electoral politics and direct action in the mix in this country which actually joined the dots and put pressure on governments at the local, state and federal level and corporations to ensure that on every available indicator public interest is put before the interests of unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits. That's right. Ever increasing profits, irrespective of their, for their major shareholders, irrespective of the human, social, environmental, and national costs. So you can complain, you can listen to the program and nod or shout, 
But isn't it time that we mobilised in a mass fashion? The time for issue-orientated politics is dead. There's thousands of issues. We can all latch on to a particular issue. But isn't it time there was some type of organisation which was not marred in the ideological you know, debates of the past, an organisation which was de- independent, which actually brought this debate to the streets and to the ballot boxes of this society? Isn't it time we have an organisation which is not dependent on corporate handouts, which is controlled by the people who are its members, that acted as the frontline soldiers in this never-ending war against those that own the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. Because you look around you, it's all about issues. It's all about divide and rule. I mean, you may have a particular religious belief You may have no religious beliefs. You may belong to a particular cultural group. You may speak a particular language. You may, you know, uh, have a particular sexual orientation. You may be a particular gender. But we all have the same oppressors. My enemy is not the person with a different religious belief. I have no religious belief. I don't care. I really don't. That's not my enemy. My enemy isn't the Muslim or the Christian or the Hindu, you know, or the Buddhist. That's not my enemy. These are people expressing various opinions. And that's all they are, as far as I'm concerned, opinions. My enemy isn't the person who wants gender equality who wants marriage equality. My enemy isn't the person of a different sexual orientation or a different racial origin or a different colour. We're all in the same boat. It's a little bit like, you know, you're in a rowboat, in a galley. Let's say we're in a slave galley. There are those who are chained to the oars, rowing, rowing, rowing. There are those sitting on the bridge giving the orders and there are those behind the orders eating the grapes and enjoying the good life as you row the boat. So they don't care what your sexual orientation is. They don't care what your religion is. They don't care what your culture is. All they care about is if they can screw you and make a buck out of you. That's what they care about. Capitalism, corporate capitalism, is colour blind to some degree. It's gender blind to some degree. Some degree. They don't care. As long as they can make a buck out of you. So isn't it time that we got together? Isn't it time that people across this country, that the public interests are put before corporate interests? I mean, public interests before corporate interests aims to ensure the interests of the Australian public are put 
before the interests of unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits, as I keep saying, for their major shareholders, irrespective of their human, social, environmental and national costs. It's that simple. For example, public health. Whose interest? Put the public interest first. Public interest, any particular issue, whether it's land rights for Indigenous people, whether it's about creating a treaty, whether it's about gender equality, whether it's about refugees. What is the public interest? It's important the public interest is always put before corporate interests and sectional interests. Now, membership of public interest before corporate interest, PIPSI, is open to people of all religious beliefs and those who have no religious beliefs. We welcome people of all races, nationalities, genders and sexual orientation. We believe all human beings are born with inalienable rights and liberties. No government can legislate away or corporations take away. It's very that simple. Very simple. Exceptionally simple. So it's time we stopped fighting amongst ourselves. It's time the wage earner stopped, you know, crapping on about welfare and welfare dependencies. It's about time that people looked for the real enemy in this equation. This is a rich country. We have great potential as a people. We have great potential. But that potential has been destroyed by us allowing a political and social system to develop which puts corporate interests before public interests. We have allowed this to develop. We have believed the propaganda that what good, what is good for the corporations is good for us. For example, 24-hour news. Very simple. Monday night, Four Corners tells us what we all know. That 417 visas, that's backpackers and Australians who work on, you know, farms across this country are exploited. Bang. We all know that. 24 hours, no longer an issue. Last week, the big issue, Senate inquiry hosted by the Greens and Labor into corporate tax evasion and minimisation. We heard about the stories of the Singapore sling BHP Billiton whacking millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in Singapore accounts that don't pay taxes here. And these are Australian, this is an Australian-owned company. We heard about companies like the Dexas Property Group, the biggest office managers in the country, paying 5% tax. IKEA, 3% tax. Transurban, almost nothing. And the list goes on and on. News. A week ago, not news today. And this is what happens. Every day there is a disaster story. Every day you can pull out your hanky 
all your tissues and wipe your eyes about the latest disaster story, about the latest obscenity that hits, you know, it's obscenity. It's an obscenity that people in this country are homeless. It's an obscenity that this country's first people have not been compensated for what's occurred to them as a people. It's an obscenity that corporate Australia pays voluntary taxation. It's an obscenity that I have to come here every week for the last 38 years on the Anarchist World this week and talk about this on a regular basis. These are real obscenities. Real obscenities in the so-called lucky country in a land of 25 million people on a continent. So think about it. There are many ways you can fight back. Think about it. You know, we talk about some ways on this program. Other people have got other things. But the important thing is cut your ties with the Gunner tribe. I'm going to do something about that and start doing something. Cut your ties with the somebody should do something about that tribe. And you start doing something about that tribe. I mean, we offer a number of options. You may find them interesting. You may find them a waste of time. But have a look at what we've got to offer. If you want to join, join. If you don't want to join, don't join. But the important thing is be active. Don't sit on that couch waiting for something to happen to improve your life and the life of your children and your friends. It won't happen unless you grab the bulls by the horn and somersault over that bull and kick it on the ass and send it packing. You've been listening to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast on the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. You can look at our website, anarchistmedia.org. Many of the campaigns we're involved in are up there. The Resist Murdoch's Minions campaign is up there. It's all up there. If you want to join Pipsy, public interest before corporate interests, go to pipsy.net, pipsy.net. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast on the Community Radio Network on your local community radio station. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. Yes, we still answer letters. Unlike the ABC and corporate media, we answer letters. Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. You can email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com, anarchistage at yahoo.com. You can leave pleasant messages on 0439 395 489. Unpleasant messages, send them to the Prime Minister's office. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in next week and think about joining Pibsi. Go to Pibsi, P-I-B-C-I dot net. Listen to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station next week. That's it. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week. Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse, 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World this week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events.
poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, Lord, yeah.